Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm your usual host, Matthew Wellington, and I'm joined tonight by one of the original members himself. We've got the other Matthew, Mr. Matthew Bates. What beautiful opening, the original. You could say the OP. The OP. I'm the I'm the I'm the original Matthew. I'm the first original podcaster. You're the second. You you are the original person to send us email and go. I want in on this. I want something to do with this. I I saw it and I thought I'm jumping in. I can make that better. You are the the very first bandwagon fan. Yep, correct. As it is, and there's probably a lot of bandwagon fans at the moment who are jumping ship from Oklahoma City to the Golden State Warriors because if you've been living on a rock for the last week and you have no access to the internet or anything whatsoever, then you will not know that Kevin Durant has moved teams and it's everywhere. Um, we're not going to go on about it for loads for loads and loads of time um, because Joe and Mike quite neatly summed that up in, a, in an hour-long show the other day, so we're not going to spend another hour talking about Kevin Durant, but I'll just get your initial impressions on the uh, on the move because it's, it, it's tearing people apart, this one. Uh, I can see why Oklahoma City fans are annoyed and I can see why some people that are just NBA fans are annoyed. Me personally, I'm not. He, he's a grown man. He can make his own decisions. It is a bit annoying that the people like us or the media in general and Twitter have put this whole emphasis on rings and that's technically, there's no if and buts about it. He's chasing a championship. But I really think it's the uh, pressure that the media, your first take, everyone pretty much, even ex-players, the pressure that they've got now on players to be solidified by winning a ring is pretty much his reaction to it is let's jump ship to the easiest place where I can get a ring. I don't blame him for doing it. If he want, if, if for once he's doing it for basketball reasons rather than financial reasons, uh, cough, cough, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. And the comparisons to LeBron James are just getting a little bit stupid. Like the, the backgrounds of the two guys are completely different. So you, Effectively, if you if you don't agree with the move, you do have a pretty solid foundation to stand upon because Kevin Durant left the team that had consistently won fifty games. I think he'd gone to four Western Conference Finals in the last what six five six years, which is phenomenal. The only years they missed it were when they were injured. Um, Sam Presti's put together a phenomenal team, consistently making trades. As much as we've banged on about the James Harden move, it made sense effectively because it kept them competitive for the next four years. Um, you know, we don't have a, a glass ball. We can't see what the team would have been if, if Harden had stayed. Um, but we certainly would have seen the development of, of guys like Serge Barker, who have obviously moved on. Steven Adams was a pick they got. And, you know, I was going to say Jeremy Lamb then, but Jeremy Lamb ended up getting moved eventually. So and he didn't really do much. Have you no. heard, sorry, I know we don't want to go on this that much, but I was listening to True Hoop podcast and I don't know if you listened to it and Tom Habersbro's explanation of everything. I do not. Enlighten me. Uh, what he said was... Uh, he said it did he? <laughs> yes. Probably, probably, yeah. Um, he said a, the the Rose Rule pretty much should be called the Durant Rule because he was the first one to actually get it implemented by him. It was made up for Rose on the contract, but yeah. the first player to get it kicked in was Durant, which meant that he was... So, which meant that he obviously got the benefits of being second, uh, being in two... All NBA teams, All Star MVP, etc. So he got—he was the first player to get the actual r- rise in money. Uh, that was obviously based on the old cap and the old CBA, and from that they literally did everything that could happen to this point to make Durant leave or make the Oklahoma City Thunder not have enough money or not pay the lo- a phenomenal luxury tax. Was based upon that. 
Rose Rule, which obviously, again, should be called the, the Durant Rule. And literally everything that they had set in place has been fumbled by this new increase in the salary cap because they were planning, they obviously built through the draft and could sign two, three max players. And obviously that's why they had to trade away James Harden and obviously left behind Serge Ibaka now. But it was all from that, that old CBA has actually foiled Oklahoma. Exactly. Tom, ha- Tom Habersbro obviously describes it a lot better and thoroughly than that. That's the main basis, really. That, <laughs> you, you've the, cut it down. That really, the NBA has actually screwed over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, in, in, a, in a, an attempt to level the playing field and to get this word that we're going to end up using a lot tonight, you know, parity across the NBA. Um, but look, just quickly, John Paxson, when he was the, I think he was the assistant GM of the Bulls in the 90s, went on about signing and bringing across... Dennis Robin, and he said it was a low-risk, high-reward situation. And this is exactly what that is for De- Kevin Durant at the moment. The risk is incredibly low, and the rewards are really high. If this, you know, like you were saying a minute ago, if we've built up this whole, you have to win a wing to get yourself justified, then so be it. Go to the Warriors. That's that would be the right decision to make. You telling me LeBron James, if he'd have been in the same situation now, wouldn't have left had he not just won the ring in Cleveland and and you know previous rings in Miami. This, the whole LeBron, Kevin Durant, because they are the top two players in the league. Like the comparisons, a joke. The team that that kept the um, LeBron James left in 2010 sucked. The team that Kevin Durant has just left had another top five player in the league on the same team and had just gone out and made some really, really good roster moves on draft night to try and keep Durant. But I think this has been something that's been building up since about 2010. There's been a lot of articles recently, especially for me for Sherwood Strauss who. You know, we did. We had him. We had Ethan on the pod a year or so, two years or so ago. When it the was, the it Warriors, was when the Warriors weren't the Warriors. Yeah, they were just building themselves up, and they were. He was talking about how they need to get a lot of luck if they're going to turn this thing around. And obviously, they they have had a hell of a lot of luck, and ended up getting Durant is the biggest luck of all. But if Stephen Curry and Draymond Green and guys like that have been building relationships through the international game through Team USA, mm. then it's always going to happen. And one of the biggest things is because the way college basketball works in the States now is players are a lot more friendly. Social media means you can talk to people a lot easier. Yeah. So you guys develop these relationships. And unlike the, the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, you do not have like four or five set franchises that are dominating the league every season and you don't have these rivalries, which means teams end up hating each other. I can't think of two teams right at this moment who absolutely 100% despise each other. Uh, I know it's well, it's probably quite ironic that it, the probably the strongest thing we had to a rivalry was probably Oklahoma City Thunder and the Golden State Warriors. Yes, and uh, <laughs> that's now just been wiped to pieces. But you go back through this... You know, the 70s and the 80s, the Celtics and the Lakers were in nearly every single final series every single year. You had Detroit and Chicago in the late 80s when, you know, Jordan was just coming on the scene. You even had Houston and the Lakers in the 80s as well. Yeah, the, the rivalries are what form the foundations of this league. And unfortunately, we seem to be be losing that. But my views on the Durant, you know, the Durant move, I'm not going to go on about it because I did a whole article about it. I was, I, I was in the camp of what the hell is he doing? But then I sort of changed my mind and I slowly figured it out. It just... It yeah. just makes sense. Like you cannot tell a human being where he can and cannot play the game That's that he loves exactly to play. Exactly what I was going to say. He gets drafted by, and it was Seattle at the time. He has to change his life and move over there. He had no choice in it. He had to go there. And now people are getting annoyed because oh, this place that I've been is quite a dodgy word when you think about it. Drafted yeah. to, I now want to move away from that place. That's fine. Another point. Last point on uh, the Durant 
for, from me on the Durant <laughs> situation is it's a well-known fact that he reads, listens to everything. Yes, he, yeah, he Royce Young's watched, been quite clear about that. Yeah, he? he watches, he definitely probably watches First Take, probably listens to a few podcasts that we all listen to. He sees Not the us. articles, <laughs> you never know. He sees, the, <laughs> he's, he sees the articles, he sees the headlines, he knows everything. And the fact that these people are, say, are even more increasing saying you've got, to, you've got to win a ring, you've got to do this. That's, again, I know it's an earlier point I've made, but it just shows that, in fact, that all this influence from the media and people on Twitter has got to him. And now he feels like he is actually doing what he, he feels like he's probably doing the right move because he's doing what everyone wants him to do. Yeah, it's, it just in gets a little... like that. But li- now the backlash has come. Stephen A. And, Smith. Oh, uh, get him off TV. <laughs> Him, Chris Broussard. Chris Broussard for a whole completely different other reason. Even Reggie Stephen... Miller's jumped on like, oh, the whole... The worst, commentator, the worst commentator in history, probably only a bit better than Eric Snow, who fell asleep in a Sixers game once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you random fact. <laughs> there you go. Great. That's it. You've just broken the podcast. I don't, I don't really feel like I can move on from there. Um <laughs> I guess we should probably end up talking about parity in the end. We will get on to quite a few of your questions, which seem to be flooding in on Twitter at the moment, um, which yeah. is incredible considering I only put the tweet out like 25 minutes ago and said, you've got 25 minutes, hurry up. And yeah, my phone's going off quite a lot. So we'll keep an eye on them. But yeah, the Durant move is is an interesting one. If you want to hear more on that, please do check out the previous podcast. Um, and any other NBA podcast. A- anywhere in the world right now that isn't BBC Sports that called it. That They put something along the lines of NBA player moves or something like that. I was like, oh my God, they just don't get it. Oh, woman has baby. <laughs> it's like NBA player changes teams or star or, you know, they did, the, the word superstar wasn't even on there. It's just like Kevin Durant changes teams. It's like, oh, for God's sake. Nonchalant. Uh, Nonchalant. Yeah, it's incredibly annoying. So parity. Or maybe, no, actually, we'll go on parity in a minute. We need to get Dwayne Wade out of the way. Well, that's what uh, Miami have done. They have indeed by not paying him. Pat Riley refused to speak to him throughout the whole free agency period, apparently. Came out today and said, I loved Dwayne Wade. He didn't say, I love Dwayne Wade. He said, I love Dwayne Wade, but now he's a family member and he's moved on and families fall apart. Um, Dwayne Wade on the Associated Press website this morning posted his farewell letter to Miami Heat fans. He also announced it on one of the American TV like morning shows. Not really sure which one it is. Uh, um, good morning with Michael and Kelly. Yeah, that one. <laughs> it, um, but he said, thank you, Heat Nation. You know, it's been an incredible 13 years. He's won three titles in Miami. He, now he's going back home to play in Chicago, to play for the Bulls. And, you know, that, that's Michael Jordan's team. He's from Chicago. I, he, he must be feeling great about his decision and he's going to get paid all that money that he probably should have been paid from the Miami Heat the last few years. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I posted it on, on our little... Uh, Secret WhatsApp group, uh, Kanye West homecoming. I don't think you could <laughs> could have uh, summed it up better. But it's great that he's going home. He's doing what he wants. Uh, he's literally sticking sticking his fingers up at Pat Riley. Do you think he's doing? Do you think LeBron told him a little bit after that uh, report came out that uh, Pat Riley? Well, we don't know it was for sure. Pat Riley said to LeBron James that it's the worst thing he could ever do is go back to Cleveland after being in Miami. Yeah, I, yeah. Do you think it's a little left? Do you think LeBron was like, leave him? That is a bit insulting. Mm. The guys oh, just yeah. come and change, like, you know, the, the, where, were the, where were the Miami Heat in 2010? At the bottom, uh, at the bottom oh, of the pile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At, yeah, at sorry, the bottom yeah. of the pile. They were not a good team. Michael Beasley was like the second best player. 
Or maybe yeah. maybe Udonis Haslam. That's de- that's debatable. Michael Beasley is uh, the second best player on any team. That is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the memories amount like Dwayne Wade. The memories. The the, the oh, was it a triple t- double triple overtime game against Chicago where he mm-hmm. hit the game winner like on the run at the end of the game. The final series against the Dallas Mavericks where he really emerged on the scene playing with Shaq. You know, Shaq nicknamed him Flash. We've had some phenomenal, phenomenal memories from this guy. And I think him going back to Chicago is going to be really cool. It's going to be weird as hell on opening night, listening to the Bulls announcer announce Dwayne Wade and, you know, there'll be no Derrick Rose. And it's just going to be a bit weird for the NBA this season with some of the moves that have happened. Um, mm-hmm. But we move on. We get used to it. It's the way the NBA is, as I said in my Durant article. It just, you know, it's an advancing league. Stuff like this is going to happen. But I have lovely el- el- eulogy there, but... <laughs> I don't understand what the Chicago Bulls are doing. Uh, they no one tra- understands what the Chicago Bulls are doing. Traded away Derrick Rose uh, and Noah, fair enough. But they've also, but then they've replaced them with Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo, with, and they've still got Jimmy Butler. And some kid called Valentine, who they got in the draft, who's got a Michael Jordan number. Who cares? Um, they, <laughs> th- those two players, Wade, Rondo, they, they, they're not going to play any defense. They can't shoot from the outside. Uh, and Jimmy Butler already wanted pretty much we it's it's not it's a known fact that him and Rose didn't get on and Jimmy Butler did think thought that he deserved to have the limelight well he's now got probably the biggest ball hog uh stat stat chaser in the league in Rondo and Dwayne Wade who's going to have this massive marketing campaign massive hometown the hero back etc etc et so Jimmy Butler's going to be Second fiddle again in the limelight wise, obviously not on the court because he's a lot better than Dwayne Wade is nowadays. But limelight wise, Jimmy Butler's not got really what he wanted. Butler's openly said before that he's not a fan of Dwayne Wade as well. Did he? He said it. I think it was a Watch podcast, not a Watch podcast. A um, Watch the vertical with. I think it was a Bill Simmons podcast. He seemed to imply that they had some form of personal Mm. rivalry. So. That could be really, really interesting. And he was on one of the, I think it was ESPN the other night, and you can watch the clips on YouTube talking about with uh, with Amin Elisan about obviously being the, the subject of all the draft rumors and the trade rumors on draft night. And he was just like, I'll just get on with it, man. It's like a case of he doesn't know if the organization's got any trust in him. It's just a case of everyone's moved out. It, he doesn't see it as his team. But, you know, according to what we heard last season, he was the biggest ego in that locker room. So he clearly wants a team of his own, whether he's going to get moved in the next couple of weeks. I don't know, but quite a few of you have actually tweeted in and asked about um, what's going on with the Bulls. So Matt Soto Sports said, the best three-point shooting percentage last season of the current Bulls big three was Rondo with 36%. That sums it up really, doesn't it? Uh, well, uh, yeah. the com- They have brought in Rondo and Dwayne Wade Combi- uh, the, and they shoot uh, 52%, I think, from three last year, which is good. But not when you're adding the two players together. <laughs> and they've just lost Mike Dunleavy to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's been traded. Um, uh, it's time for McDermott. Yeah, and Jose Calderon has gone to the Lakers. Not that that's such a big deal, but <laughs> got to mention it. Um, Dean Cruikshanks also asked for the the, rules, the, the, the views on uh, Wade and Rondo. He, he, want, he wants to know if we think they're actually good acquisitions. No. No. Not bas- for basketball reasons, bas- on-court basketball reasons, no. For getting a few more games on TNT on the national broadcast, uh, being a bit more of a storyline in the NBA. Yeah, something then, to watch. Yes, but no. It's just, where are they going? Are they, like, are they, I know someone else has actually uh, asked. Uh, I'll uh, give the shout-out to the name. Uh, 
This is alive, people. He's got to find it now. <laughs> He's under pressure. <laughs> Lee, uh, the at the one Shane, give him a follow. Um, <laughs> uh, he says, does that mean that Butler to the Celtics? Uh, it was quite random, but I, I, I can see Butler moving. Uh, I think if they're going to go, they've literally, they've signed Wade for two years, Rondo for one. Rondo's there. They're not, they're not doing anything for two years, anything serious, unless they make a big name acquisition, acquisition, which I don't really think they will. There is talk now that because Wade's come, a free agent has signed there, then maybe they might get into the air quote meetings. Yeah. With some of the with some of the players, if that's so, then yeah, they could be a bit of a force. But at the moment, as it stands, you, you you've got a playoff spot, but you're not doing anything. I I personally think that they should just trade Butler, try and get some good young assets, and just build the team back up. Even though they've, as as you see, they lost their two two of their top five players, which is quite embarrassing when it's joking Noah and Derrick Rose after the seasons that they've had in the past with injuries. Yeah, the, the 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 Bulls have actually come out this evening as well because the Rondo presser was on just before we started this podcast actually, and um, they were actually asked. You know, the, the the question was pitched: Are you in a rebuilding phase? And he says, "No, we've gone and you know we've somehow got more athletic and a little bit younger." And I thought that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Rajon Rondo's thirty; he's not twenty four anymore. He's not you know the guy he was in the Boston Celtics. Um, and you know Dwayne Wade's 34 he's near the end of his career it's a two year deal for a reason because he's going to retire at the end of it Um, yeah and Butler going to the Celtics if the Celtics get in then wow wow Weezer but I don't really think anything like that happens yeah and unless someone like Bobby Portis really emerges this season I can't see Chicago being that much of a threat to anybody in the Eastern Conference especially because there's quite a few teams around them who've actually got better You you know Indiana have been fantastic Orlando have made some really good deals. Even the flipping New York Knicks look a hell of a lot better than they did last season, and that's something we'll get no? onto in Who a minute. Who says no? Um, Jerry, uh, but, Jimmy Butler you know, for Jaleel Okafor, Robert Covington, TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell. I knew this was coming. I was going to suggest this. And a, ooh, take away. Uh, what about Okafor and the Lakers pick, and maybe uh, Robert Covington? Robert Covington for Butler. Yeah, yes, because we're going to suck. I th- was that pitched on draft night? No, I've just made that up. No, there, no there's been quite a few. Like, I don't know if the Sixers oh, were one of them. But oh, might... the Sixers leak everything nowadays. It's yeah, they the do. New era. It's the new era. <laughs> you keep nothing secret anymore. We're not. Don't. We've we've had that podcast. I don't know. I, I'd see the Celtics making a move for him, but it, it's yeah. there's quite a few guys at the moment. Russell Westbrook, for example, who's just popped up in the Western Conference, definitely is not going to stay in Oklahoma City. Don't care what anyone thinks. Um, so he's a trade asset now and then you've got Jimmy Butler who quite clearly wanted his own team and is now not really going to get it um, but, but then again at the Sixers he wouldn't because it's kind of been the Simmons, Simmons team, team. it's the Simmons team is it yeah, it, well I, I watched that first game that, that was great yeah he, Can't shoot, he, he, he's a freak from that. yeah but he's a freak oh I didn't know he was that big he does everything else, though. That's what you want. He's the... I am. I am. Trust me. I, after what? After the last three years of watching the Sixers, I am not complaining <laughs> at all. The comparisons to LeBron James, I can see them in the way that yeah, he calm does, down. the way he passes and the way he rebounds. Obviously, the shot is something you work on, but LeBron couldn't shoot the three until two thousand and ten. So, yeah, but this guy can't shoot twos. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> that's easier to. Surely, that's easier to develop than your perimeter game. I should hope so. Yeah, you you would hope so. Um. Anyway, moving on to, I guess we should get on with the New York Knicks because we actually got a, 
a question about this. Um, I've got to find it now. There it is. This is from uh, at Daniel Joseph Lee on Twitter. He put, if this was 2008, would the Bulls or Knicks roster win the Eastern Conference? (laughs) I'd give... I'd take the Knicks over the Bulls. Yeah, uh, yeah, you would. Definitely. Yeah, because Derrick Rose is the MVP. Porzingis wouldn't be there as well. And Jimmy Butler. And it would probably be who... Oh, God. 2008 Knicks power forward. Uh, 2008? Oh my uh, well, David, David Lee. <laughs> We're going back a bit. That's too far. <laughs> we remember that. Uh yeah, I I think the Knicks would uh would probably take that one. Yeah. Maybe not beat the Cavs. <laughs> yeah, a couple of couple of good teams in the in the Celtics that yeah, just bossed it. Uh actually Miami were all right, Cleveland were all right. Oh, La- were all Lando right, were yeah. hanging around. Yep. Orlando are always hanging around, that's what Orlando do. Anyway, we shouldn't be looking at the past, Matt, we should be looking at the present and the future. Yeah, we do. I'm just going, you know, I'm just getting the listener involved. It's all about the contributions here. We, you yourself were a listener once. Uh, I've, just, I've just dropped the bike there completely. <laughs> you've not, because I, I could answer it, but I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> you weren't a listener, is what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, I just saw the website. Ah, no, I listened. I listened to that. Breaking news, people! I promise, I listened to one. I he listened to one. listened to what? That was it. That was that was enough to convince him. Yeah, you could yeah. be you could be the next Matthew Bates. People get involved, right? So I guess we should start talking about parity because it's the the question that's blowing up Twitter sphere at the moment. CBS, everybody's posting about it and doing other shows on it, and we thought we'd do it because it's a bit different from the show that Mike and Joe did the other night. So. Does the NBA have parity, Matthew Bates, after what happened on, um, what, Monday evening? No, no. And the NBA has never really had parity. Okay. What's your argument for? Pardon? What's your argument? Uh, Come on. Stand, you've, got, you've got to stand on something. <laughs> um, um, uh, no. Uh, you wrote your dissertation on something yeah, about I, parity. I, I, I think yes. you should. And then, well, all you have to do is look at the... La- look at the Just read winners. the dissertation. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> uh, looking at the past 30, 30 years, you can notice that there's a certain trend in teams that have won won the title, and they seem to be the biggest market teams. Lakers, Celtics, Bulls, Bulls Spurs. Spurs. Aren't a, Spurs aren't a big market, actually. They're a bit of an anonymous. They've won 24 of the past 36. They're not a big market, though. That doesn't matter. They've won a lot of titles. Yeah, I know, but what I'm saying is the in the last 30 years, there's a lot of teams in big markets that have won. Lakers, Boston, Bulls, uh, Bulls, even the yeah, you know, that's yeah, that's about it. But if you look how many they've won, it's it's a sizable chunk. Even Houston is quite a big market as well. Uh, so that shows you that big market teams tend tend to have the most money. They tend to get the bigger players that could they have the more marketing materials for the players to make more money. They're in a bigger spotlight. They're more well known. They've got the global global awareness. But in the last few years, in terms of the last six years, probably since LeBron hit his apex, we've noticed that you can be in a smaller market team and uh, prevail in terms of the list of marketing exposure, etc. Because it's now a global game. Twitter, Facebook, League Pass, everything like that. No matter where you are in the world, you can watch a basketball game. In terms of parity, though, it's kind of shifted from big markets to 
big 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 names because it is 100% a stars driven league where one big star can go he can also he can then attract more stars and the main thing when it comes to comp- uh, parity at the moment now with the increased salary cap is it's more it's a winner's game in terms of if you are if you, there is no such thing as big small markets not being able to succeed that much anymore it's more of a star driven if you've got one star you have to build through the draft. You can then get more stars. But the only thing now with the, the there's no hard cap, which means that the luxury tax, the fines for being over the salary cap, isn't as strong as it once used to be. Teams that have already got a star or a winning roster can affordably cut salary, etc., etc., to bring in more stars. So super teams can still be made in in showing from the heat. Cavs and now the Golden State Warriors. I think we are, I think we have got some level of parity at the moment. There is some level of parity, but the thing is, in the last CBA, the they they said we're cutting out super teams. We're going to make we're not we're not going to. Well, yeah, because they changed the sign and trade rules after the whole Miami 2010 super yeah. team thing. But that was kind of ironic in the end because. But the, but the thing is, if they were really that serious about making super teams, they would have made it impossible to make super teams. And they obviously weren't that serious with it. But then you're going to get... It shows that the last CBA, it wasn't about super teams. It wasn't about parity. It was about the players (laughs) getting money. And that's been evident in this free agent in this free agency with the increased salary cap. But you said it yourself 20 minutes ago. You cannot dictate where someone plays. You can't... That's that's in terms of draft. That's the only way you stop a super team. Is by dictating where players... Is by limiting like a certain value star player to each franchise. But that will never happen. No, it won't. But I think at the moment, this is the best form of parity we're going to get. Like you were mentioning, you go back to the 80s and, and the 70s and even the 90s to some respect. It was the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bulls. In the mid-2000s, it was the Spurs. Since 2005, seven different NBA franchises have won an NBA title. Now, that shows to me that parity is levelling out because it isn't the Lakers, it isn't the Celtics, and it isn't the Bulls. And it was the Spurs once or twice. Um but you know that they're just in, they're the odd ones in there. But I think the way that the league is going at the moment, with the recent changes, like you mentioned in the CBA, and the fact that the draft is now becoming a more utilised tool, teams can level the playing field. And you know the salary cap is going up massively. We we saw the Clippers sell for what two billion dollars last year in two thousand twelve. Pro, uh, Prokhorov bought the new the, the Brooklyn Nets. That made a huge difference to the, the way the league was going. The league had posted financial losses like the year before and all of a sudden it turned around because you had this money coming in from you know Steve Ballmer buying the Clippers Prokhorov pumping money into the Nets making the Nets relevant again TV contracts TV contracts and all of that money has led to the fact that teams now can go out and any team in this league can effectively go out and sign a star the the way that the league gets parity at the moment and needs to get parity at the moment is the way the organisations are run now the, the Durant thing's really odd because because the Thunder are a really well-run organization, but the Warriors are a really well-run organization. And the way the Warriors have done it is they've done it through the draft and they've done it through a hell of a lot of luck. And the increase in salary cap. Yes. They wouldn't have been able to sign Kevin Durant unless the, of course cap, they the cap went up. But they also have the fact that, and this, this goes against parities, that they're still in one of the big cities. You know, guys are going to want to play in San Francisco. Yeah, but the, the main thing, and it's still the same as it was before the last CBA, was that 
smaller market teams still have to pay more to get a franchise player there, a, fran- yeah. a, a franchise star player. A player, a franchise max player is only going to sign to teams where they can offer him something that they cannot, uh, another team cannot. Case in point, Kevin Durant. He could have signed anywhere, got more money, got the max. But one thing that everyone else couldn't offer him was the best chance for a championship. The main reason why he went to Golden State. If there was no cap, this would still be the reason. Because that's one of the things that people are saying. There should be no cap then. If the, if people yeah. are making these super teams and stuff, why don't we just get rid of the, the cap? Players get more money. Players players get more money. But that's the sense that these big team, these big players still wouldn't go to small small market teams even if the cap was as big. The only way they would do that is if they ask if they offered them an astronomical amount of money, which isn't realistic. We keep saying that LeBron James is worth fifty million a year. Well, not many teams are going to sign him for a four year deal. At, deal at $200 million. <laughs> Milwaukee aren't going to do that. They don't generate m- as much money as yeah, the, yeah. every other teams do. So which would still ruin it. But that's why smaller market teams still have to offer a lot larger money for B B level players, not the A level players. That's so where case- the cap going up is really weird because the salary tax is effectively going to be something that you've not got to worry about the next exactly. life. The- well, it's going up next year as well, so it's going to be yeah, it's nothing to worry about. I know the ca- the Cavs are massively in it, but you know other teams that historically have been stuck in it, like the Lakers and the Bulls and the Celtics, they're not in it anymore. No, that is that that they are still. I think that's a sh- it's not just because they suck. <laughs> it is a, it is proof that big market teams don't necessarily get the players because if you look at the Knicks, the Knicks abs- that season where LeBron moved, they literally struck out on everyone. Yeah. And that's why it's because, again, it's being, super teams have been made to be made because all you have to, are being possible to be made. Because if you look at the Miami team, uh, Dwayne Wade was already there. They got together and took pay cuts so they could be in the salary cap. Yes, Bosch and Wade, Bosch and LeBron. <laughs> I think everything's just leveled out. We see more free agents now because obviously the, cl- the contracts are shorter. Even the rookie deals, like they can take a three-year deal now instead of a five-year deal like it used to be. Um, rookie contracts at the moment, it, they're like a gold mine. Yeah. If you if you Carl strike Anthony out, ta- if you if you Carl strike, Anthony yeah, Towns. if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves and you strike out on Kyle Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, then you can go, you've got all this cap to go and sign yourself another star or another two stars, build yourself a really good bench and it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you've got so you know some rain, wind, or shine. You're going to be a legit factor in players' minds because you will have a team that could compete for a title every year. And it never used to be like that because it used to be the case of you go to the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bulls because they made the most money and they were willing to go into the luxury tax to, to you know, tax to pay you the extra money. Now everyone can pay you the extra money, <laughs> especially if they luck out on the draft which is why you have to feel sorry for the Oklahoma City Thunder because they lucked out on the draft with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and it's all just backfired in the face like you were saying. <laughs> Again, I, I, th- I it's it's a tough subject, the I think, personally, for having competitive balance in the NBA because, again... It is, because it's never going to be like the NFL and that's like the market that everyone looks at because the I, NFL, you never seem to know which team's going to win each year and that's where every even like you know you look in the Premier League over here because the amount of money that teams are spending mm. the story like Leicester last season or even going back to like I don't know Blackburn in the in the in the 90s that rarely happens because they just can't compete whereas I think the NBA is trying at least 
with the way the draft works and the cap going up and now everyone yeah, there's no is on. there's no there's no relegation in the nba no exactly so you're you're constantly there and able to compete and the draft is is, is effectively supposed to be your way of lucking out if you suck but it's also you know led to teams like the sixers tanking the last few years which has not exactly been great for the for the league but then there's a the polar opposite of you get the warriors emerge then you know one of the greatest teams you'll ever watch and especially in this country the league spiking like watching NBA Sunday games, you know, half eight, watching the Warriors at half eight or whatever it is, it's been fantastic because people have been paying attention that would never normally pay attention. Mm. The the only thing with the, when it comes to parody, parody recently, the worst thing that happened, obviously, was the cap. The best teams that coming into this free agency, it's had an unfair advantage for all these superstars to be leveled out in the level playing field. Yeah. Which is the main, is the main, which is the main problem that the NBA have at the moment. Is that a lot of not good guys are getting paid. Yeah. And this cap, (laughs) and it just shows that this cap shouldn't have just exploded in one year. It should have been phased into three years or obviously it's going up next year. So a two year massive increase, it should have been phased into four years. I think you're constantly going to have the problems though because of the way players sign contracts. And you know, if you guys like Durant and Westbrook and stuff, they've signed their contracts with the the the, the foresight to see ahead and and base it against the way the cap's going. That's mm. that's just the way it is, and it's it's going to be incredibly difficult, especially over the next few years, for teams to f- work out what is you know in in three years' time we'll be looking back on some of these salaries and be like, what the hell was going on? And we might be like, that was a fantastic deal. Like we don't mm. really have any way of knowing and. I guess the problem I have with the salary cap going up and the money coming in is great, but the salary cap going up now means that we we don't know the, the necessary fundamentals to build a team. Whereas mm. before, when you built a team under the old cap rules, it was a case of you know smart money management at the moment because we're in the middle of this flux. It's a case of let's just chuck as much money as players as possible and see what happens. <laughs> see what sticks. Yeah, because like Stephen Curry's deal, fair enough, he signed it when he had his bad bad knees, but angles. Ankles and in in the in the in the fair world, that's just not fair. Like the, mm. the, the, he's the reason they are where they are at the moment, but he's not getting anywhere near the money that the other guys on that team are getting. And then KD just walks in and goes, "I'm taking all the money." Yeah, I, I, when this is all said and said and done, the annoying thing is we're going to have a massive lockout. True. It, we were threatened with a lockout in 2010, weren't we? And we, we got one. So. Yeah, and it's definitely, after this increase in player salaries, the owners will want more money. Yeah, they want to level it out, which is what so, the problem was in 2010 when the NBA had posted, like I said at the beginning, those $400 million losses. Mm-hmm. A year and a bit later, we had the lockout and all of a sudden players were like, you know, we want to get a bit of this money. Mm-hmm. And, and everything sort of turned around then. I think you had 22 franchises back in 2010 that weren't making any money. I, I bet that figure's turned on its head. I haven't got it in front of me, but I bet I bet that's completely mm. turned around now. Even teams like, you know, Minnesota, I bet the Timberwolves are making money. Oh, they're, they're, if they, if, I think they've got a contract, a TV contract coming up in the next, like, two years. Yeah, the, the Blazers have just signed a massive new one as well. Yeah, and that, that Timberwolves one could be for for the market that it's in could be massive because they're they're the new hot young team aren't they yeah it's a really difficult one to talk about because like 
we love super teams. It makes the game fun. It's like a reason to watch. But then you've got a villain. Everyone loves in sports. Everyone loves a villain. Absolutely. And Kevin Durant has suddenly made LeBron James everybody's hero again. <laughs> it's a fantastic move by a guy who's like you know supposed to be Mister Nice Guy. He's now gone to a team and everyone's going to hate him. And I just but, want... but they're still going to love Steph Curry and the Warriors. But they're not. They've, I we think saw they that. In, I think we saw that in the final series. The amount of hate for the Warriors on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, whatever social media platform you use, the hate for the Warriors during the NBA Finals was huge. That, uh, that and, was and, mainly and, because of blooming Draymond Green. Yeah, but even in the Western Conference Finals, when the Thunder were three-one up, people were suddenly like, "Hang on a minute, this Warriors team's really cocky, and they ain't as good as people think they are." Oh, I know. But the thing is. And St- Steph's just getting annoying in general, man. Like that whole swagger thing. It's just... Oh no, I love it. I love it. I love the best thing you about... do when you're playing your mate on 2K. Yeah, the best thing about the NBA compared to any other league is the characters and personalities. It's True. Be- it's always been the most entertaining on uh, on and off court league in the world. Yeah, and that's and that's why I love it because you get. I don't really agree with. That t- I don't really agree mate. what Steph Curry does when he comes to cockiness, but I like the fact that he does it. Yeah, the, the Warriors are going to become the team everyone hates, and everyone's going to want the Cavaliers to win the championship this year. Great, great, great. This is this is it. Everyone moans about the super team of the Heat, but I'll tell you what, I love watching them play. One, because it was good basketball. Oh, they were amazing. I missed in that. The, in, in the, well, the, no, I'm talking about the first year they were together. It was good basketball in some parts. They didn't start off that well, but it was the fact that I loved to watch them lose. <laughs> it was great. That no, that, that I remember. I have a friend who is the biggest LeBron hater ever because he's also probably the biggest Le- uh, Kobe lover ever. Watching that last game against the Mavericks with him live, watching LeBron lose was one of the best moments I've ever had watching basketball. <laughs> it was great, and I, I I I like LeBron, but the fact that all this emotion and Twitter was crazy and the storylines were great made it so much better. And that's what's going to happen this year. That's the new social media age, though. Like, I guarantee you, if Kevin Durant wins a championship in in Oakland, yeah, all these people, all these ESPN analysts who are like worst movies ever made, will be like, his legacy's been justified. It's oh, like, you idiots! It'll yes. be like completely the polar opposite of what they are at the moment. They were exactly the same with LeBron James. They never, they said he shouldn't have left, and now they're like, oh, it was just a college, you know, like it was like college for him. It was his learning curve under Pat yeah. Riley. It's like, ah, oh, you know. That's Quick why. question: Who should take over Skip Bayless on the first take? I don't watch first take. I, I don't watch first take either. T- that first take, should, first take. It be? I I'd love it if it was someone intelligent, like if it was like, like e- even wor- Zach Lowe. Even, <laughs> oh yeah, if it was Zach Lowe would be amazing. <laughs> if and if he was just like you're talking crap, what are you talking? I'd quite about? like Amin Alassane because he's pretty funny when he does the ESPN lockdown podcast. Uh, Ryan Masillo, I'm a big Ryan Masillo fan. Uh, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, he has a character he plays on the True Hoop podcast called Ra- <laughs> Radio Strauss. Oh, okay. It's literally him doing an impression of Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> it's great. Get him on first take. <laughs> Get Radio Ethan on first take. It would be incredible. Oh, man. Right, we've just had another question on Twitter, so I think we should probably jump off parity. Um, this is from... Uh, I think that's Matt Hardy at Matt Hardy. Uh, oh, the wrestler? No, not not the wrestler. This is M double T H R D boy. He's put. Am I the only person in the UK who cares about the Nets having a good off season? Yes. There you go. That that probably sums it up. 
No, Bro- they've, they've, they've done well. Brooklyn, what have they done? Jeremy Lin. Sure. <laughs> no, they've made, some all, they've made some all right signings and they've just not gone crazy. Because could you imagine three years ago, if they were in still that state of we have to win now, <laughs> they would be signing anyone and everyone under the sun for a ridiculous amount of money. I guess I, sh- I guess I should fire us up some questions just to finish this off. Um, okay, which which free agent so far got overpaid, or probably got overpaid, or you think got overpaid? Uh, Chandler Parsons. Really? Oh yeah. I think he'll. He's a really good fit in that method. So, uh, method. Injury, injury, pro- injury problems. They're all injury prone. Yeah. Mike Connolly's injury prone. Mike Gasol's injury prone. But I, you know, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing against Mike Con- Mike Conley. That post that he put on the Players Tribune about being a yeah. Memphis guy and staying in Memphis, like you know, heart goes out to my brother. Mm. Yeah, uh, he got, I still think I still think Chandler Parsons got overpaid. Uh, I think Bradley Beal got overpaid. Yeah, I, I agree with Bradley Beal. I know, I know, it's about um, all injuries and stuff like that. But I've never really been that impressed when he's been that healthy. I think yes, he would have, he should have signed. A lucrative deal, not a max deal, though. I think that's actually bogged down the Warriors quite a lot there. Yeah. Who do you think was overpaid? Evan Turner. Don't get Four this. year, $70 million to the Portland Trailblazers, a team that did a phenomenal job last year. And they go out and they sign a solid player from the Boston Celtics who's got huge flaws in his game. Oh, Timothy Mosgos, by the way, he's the number one. No, right. no, no, he's, he's not. Oh, so Evan Turner's the number one most overpaid player so far. That that that's ridiculous money for a guy who, you know, built his reputation as being like a, a solid bench player or a stretch player who just has to have the balls in his hands all the bloody time. He's not going to get the ball in his hands because he's playing alongside Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You sound like me. I hate Evan Turner. <laughs> yeah, I just, you I, hate I, him because oh, I'm just Philly. glad that we're. I'm just glad we're not paying him any money so he can get whatever he wants he can be the oh, he could make uh, you just don't like him because he was a number two overall pick who never lived up to the hype yeah and his most effective period so far has been in Boston as a backup repeat oh, yeah. backup point guard yeah so when I see that he gets that deal I think well he's not he's untradeable we're not getting him back it makes no sense as well because it'll probably cost them Alan Crabb and Alan Crabb was quite good for them last year he was better than Devin Turner yeah. Well, he's got more upside than Evan Turner. It's just, oh, it's just a stupid deal. It makes no sense. Um, Mozgov, right? Before, because I got to go into the Lakers at some stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Lakers fan. Uh, <laughs> well, it, I, I don't, I don't like it. it. It's certainly an upgrade over Roy Hibbert or what was left of Roy Hibbert. But <laughs> we didn't see him play a lot last year, so the gamble is he's going to play a lot. Luke Walton's already said he's going to play a lot. Are we going to get a different guy? The thing is, though. In terms of that, and you pretty much said it perfectly there. When you're paying that someone that amount of money, it needs to be justified. It shouldn't be a gamble. No, four years, sixty-four million dollars should not be a gamble. No. Our best deal, by the way, by far has been the well doing. Fabulous signing. I, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the years. I, that's, that's a fabulous signing for a guy to come in and nurture a young team that's just got you know a, like four lottery picks in the last three seasons. I think that's a fabulous, fabulous deal. And uh, and I pray to God Mitch doesn't do something stupid like trade half of them for Russell Westbrook. Because that's such a Lakers thing to do. Could happen. It could happen. And it's really annoying me because if you go on ESPN or Sports Illustrated or any of the big sites, like the number one trade destination besides the Boston Celtics and the Chicago Bulls for Russell Westbrook is the Los Angeles Lakers. 
he's a he's a he's an LA, he's an yeah, LA he's guy. An yeah. And you know, I, I he's Kobe two Don't get me wrong. I think it'd be really cool, but I just we can't give up that many assets to get one guy for what might possibly be a rental. Mm. Oh yeah. Unless his heart is absolutely dead set on staying then it is a rental because we won't be contending. Mm. So that's my views, my very, very short views on the Lakers. Give me a pick. Give me a high number four pick. Give you- are, they, are they the fourth worst team this year? The, La- the Lakers? I don't know. I think we we'll surprise a few people this year. I really do. Okay, I think Brandon Ingram's got a, an awful lot of game. He needs to put on a bit of muscle. He needs to b- build himself up. Got a very Kevin light Durant. frame, kind of looks like Kevin Durant. Um, but I, I think I think he's going to be a player, man. D'Angelo Russell will actually play this year. That will help. Have you um, still got Nick Young? Yeah, he's still there. I don't know. I don't know what's going. I think the Lakers are waiting to see what happens to everyone else before they like get rid of him. I'll have him. Well, Sixers will have him. Yeah, we'll anyone. Have him any, you know, anyone we'll who's a bit swaggy. Be. So he nearly blew off his hand with a firework the other night. Oh God! It was all I, over uh, Facebook. Hey, the game that I saw Philadelphia play in Philadelphia against the Lakers. He jammed it hard on Dwight Howard. <laughs> and for that, he'll always be... Hey, your hero. Oh, my hero. There was a guy next to me when I was watching it. Every time he took a shot or passed it or walked and breathed, he went, Swaggy! Swaggy! Right next to me. Every time. It was great. And he That's missed right so right. many shots. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, guys. If you want more from us, you can go check out, obviously, the website, which is doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk. Um, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, tune in. If you are new to the show, please leave us a review. We really appreciate them. We actually hit 30 iTunes reviews um, recently. So I think we are officially, well, we were officially in the first place, the highest rated British NBA podcast on iTunes, which is quite a cool thing to be able to say. Thank you to the, those people who have pushed us to the 30 mark. Hopefully we can get, you know, I think we should set 40 as the next part. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Um, right. But, you know, three years, four years of doing the podcast to have 30 reviews, most of them five stars is, it's pretty fantastic. Um, so yeah, the website, as we said, um, Twitter at double clutch UK, facebook.com forward slash double clutch UK. Um, that's the only social networks we're on. We're on LinkedIn if you like that sort of thing. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, follow Bates on Twitter. He needs some followers. Not enough. To follow. I've got enough followers. I don't, enough. I don't want that many more. I've got two hundred and fifty-ish. He wants enough people to have a debate with about Rajon Rondo on the Chicago Bulls. At Bates ninety ninety one. I've go. actually tweeted sufficiently <laughs> recently. Um, speaking of tweeting, if you want to join us and you want to take charge of social media, you want to do a bit of graphic design, you want to come on the podcast, you want to write, um, please check out the Join the Team tab on the website. We're always looking for fellow NBA enthusiasts, British ones especially, to come and join us and help us sort of grow this thing and make this bigger than we are. Uh, shout out to the guys over the drop. They obviously did their final show of the uh, the season recently, so please go and check that out. It's on YouTube. It's also available on our website under the video tab. Oh, and speaking of the website, I redesigned it. I went mad it on look it. Good. It looks it a lot look better good. than it used to. It looks like it got out of the year in 2002, which is a bonus. So, <laughs> uh, Shout out for your uh, Aussies. Aussies? Yeah. Ah, yeah. NBA Nation Australia. There you go. Yes. A good reminder. Very good, Mr. Bates. Um, NBA Nation Australia, Mr. Nick Caro, who has been on the show before, um, he's calling it a quits, I'm afraid, which is a bit of a shame, but... The blogosphere in Australia is huge. There's, you know, it's a big sport, basketball in that country. It's, it's a hell of a lot bigger than it is over here. And there's a lot of competition. 
And I just think Nick's run out of time with it and run out maybe with a little bit of patience. Um, I understand where he's coming from because I've been the same doing double clutch over the last few years. Um, but the, the the fact is the sport in this country now has blown up and BT and League Pass becoming more widely available has been a huge reason for that. And doing stuff like this is, is you know, the way forward as far as I can see in terms of getting interaction between UK fans and... Um, yeah, it's just a shame that his his site has got to go and the podcast has got to go. The podcast is brilliant and yeah, real bum. But if if those guys want to do any writing or anything like that, then you know where to come. We're more than happy to take on a few Australians. We will welcome you back into our arms. Because <laughs> 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 we kicked you off about 200 years ago. <laughs> um, okay, right. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, no idea when the next one will be. When, whenever we can figure it out. Whenever Bates has got his iPad, I guess. I've always got my iPad. He's always got his iPad. So maybe, oh, no, that's that's like 24-hour radio. We ain't doing that, man. No, oh, I'm like a uh, I'm like a millennial teenage girl. Always on my iPad. Always on your iPad? No. Oh, all those little six-year-olds with iPads and iPhones. Uh, you know. Where's your Nokia 3310? Oh, where's your ball? Go outside and play. Yeah, go outside and play. Not that we have PlayStations and Xboxes and stuff. I don't. <laughs> well, I do. Mm. Uh, speaks volumes. Anyway. Uh, uh, reporting. Reporting. Carmelo just... Anthony has been traded. What? No, he's not really. Oh. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I thought you were legit. <laughs> now I've got to bleep that out. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you soon. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Katie, you wrote that the last two weeks have been some of the most challenging of your life and that this decision reflected your basketball career but also your growth as, as a man. Tell people about these two weeks and just anything that jumped out at you and, and how that whole process went. Oh, it's been, uh, it's been hectic. You know, uh, it's a lot of attention that comes with being in this position. And I knew that. And, you know, when I met these guys, I felt as comfortable, uh, as I ever felt. And, uh, it was organic. It was, it was authentic. It was real. And, uh, there's feelings I couldn't ignore. So, you know, I made a decision to come in, uh, and play for these guys. And I, and I feel great and I feel excited about this opportunity. When you look at your relationships in international play, even with Steph Curry and Andre Iguodala, you're playing against a Draymond Green, a Clay Thompson. They were they wanted you and welcomed you. How much of the personality fit was important as well as the basketball fit for you? I was shocked that uh, those four guys came in to meet me a couple of days ago. Uh, team, you know, won 73 games and championship before you know i didn't think that they would be interested in a player like me because they had so much success uh but to see them together they all walked in and looked like they were holding hands you know it was a family and uh i i can tell they enjoy being around each other and uh that was like i said that was something i couldn't ignore it was just a great vibe um uh, throughout the whole day so i'm glad i'm here man like i said i'm excited and i'm just ready to play ball <laughs>